0: This is episode 109 with Rachel Wood. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. And if you are in pursuit of your own happiness, this is the podcast for you. Join me along my own journey in finding happiness as I cover topics such as health, wellness, mindset, travel, adventure, dating, relationships, and so much more as I interview some of the most passionate and successful people in the world and ask them the questions that we all want to know on how they found their happiness. And I am super excited to bring you this episode with Rachel Wood who has one of my dream jobs and many of our dream jobs. And she is a photographer that travels to the ends of the world to capture some amazing, amazing images. But as you're about to find out, very well deserved. She just threw herself in the middle of it just three years ago. And as we recorded this episode, she was named Time Pieces Artist of the Week. So yeah, she is legit and she became legit very quickly. So if you know me, you know that I'm really into travel and you know that I'm into photography. So this was a perfect blend. I got to ask Rachel so many questions that I really wanted to know. I got to go behind the scenes on how she started her business, how she started making money with photography, how she became so good and traveling around the world I wanted all the stories of the coolest places she's gone the most dangerous stories and some of her favorite moments and photos from all of these travels she is such a smart businesswoman there is no question or wonder why she is just so successful so quickly her art and photography speaks for itself but she knows the business side very well she is definitely an inspiration for any entrepreneur or anyone looking to start their own business or or for someone that just wants to get into photography. So not only is Rachel just a badass photographer, she also has to one-up that by being an incredible NFT artist as she is the founder of Artverse Project, and she also is now dabbling in AI, so I asked her so many questions about creating art with artificial intelligence. Now, this is a form of art that I am definitely not familiar with creating. I've seen a bunch of it, but I have no idea where to start, so I asked her all of the questions that both you and I want to know. So please go check out her Instagram, at the Elf or her Twitter at RachelSTWood to go look at some of her photos and artwork. It's absolutely incredible. And if you're driving, don't do that right now. Just make note to do that when you get home, because I want you to see what we're talking about. It is absolutely incredible. But you are here today to listen to my conversation with the incredible Rachel Wood. So let's do this. Rachel. Hi.
1: Hey. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm digging the outfit. I'm very colorful.
1: Thank you. I'm a very colorful person.
0: As, as expected, right?
1: Yeah. I basically, think of me as like a tropical bird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hold on a second. That's like the coolest staircase I've seen oh. in a long time. That is incredible. Is this your place?
1: Yeah. So I just got a house. Um Like about two weeks ago. So
0: that's beautiful. It's
1: kind of weird being in a in a one place for so long.
0: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. We're gonna talk all about that. You ready to get started?
1: I guess so. Yeah. I'm you ready ready to do this?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm super, I'm super excited to have you on. There's a lot of questions I got for you. The first one I have, Rachel, is Did I just see you one like was it time piece, Artist of the Week? Is that what that was? Yes. Wow. Congratulations. Can you explain exactly what that is?
1: Um, So they nominate an artist every week for just, I think, just what they've been doing in this space. And last week I was able to raise over $15,000 to be donated, excuse me, um, for Syrian and Turkey um, earthquake um, relief funds. And so, yeah, they just gave me like recognition for that. And I'm, I'm like really honored, but I'm also like, this isn't just me. Like this is like the hundreds of people who rallied behind my, um, fundraiser efforts. So honestly, it, it's, it's a accolade for my community in web three.
0: That's amazing. Disney. Congratulations for certain so people who listen to this. Um, if they wanted to contribute, how can they contribute?
1: So right now I've stopped it, but I am able to I am going to be starting to do monthly um, donation things where people can donate via PayPal, Venmo. I mostly sell artwork as NFT, so typically Ethereum based. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm trying to sort that out going forward because it is something I've always done in my past um, work in humanitarian and volunteer work. And I really do want to bring that over to what I do in um nfts and twitter
0: wow congratulations that's first of all incredible and second of all bravo Uh, i appreciate you helping with such like a great cause and great causes i was just in turkey last year actually almost a year ago um not as far east in turkey and nowhere near syria but um special place uh turkey is definitely a special place it was have you ever been? I know you travel a lot. Have you ever been there?
1: <laughs> is unfortunately one place I have yet to go. I've always been wanting to go, but the Middle East is a place that I haven't yet explored as much as I have Yeah,
0: want. it's um, it's 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 a more beautiful landscape that I really imagined. Honestly, it was a trip that one of my best friends planned, and he asked me to go to, and I. I Was just like okay sure i'm a planner i'm a scheduler (laughs) i like to know what i'm doing where i'm going and i said yes um i did a little bit of research but i was like whatever man like you're planning the trip you're taking care of all the excursions and all that stuff let's do this i'm just along for the ride i was not expecting like the landscape to be that beautiful it was like wow place after place we went to uh istanbul first and then cappadocia um i forget the i forget i'm forgetting the name of the place with like the ruins and all that stuff we went swimming with the co- in the columns and stuff it was like absolutely amazing the history there is one of a kind um i'm sure you'll get there at some point but it's definitely right. worth it i think you'll be blown away and you'll capture a lot of that beauty i'd be excited when that happens so
1: oh my gosh now i want to go like yeah. stock your your gallery i need to see those images
0: <laughs> yeah some of them are posted some are posted on my personal instagram some are posted on my website i am RyanMcGuire.com. Uh, but yeah, so I'm basically like, I consider myself like an amateur photographer, whereas you, you are legit, you are the real deal. You have time giving you awards and everything. No, no, you're shaking your head. No, no, your stuff is awesome, <laughs> but your stuff has a twist to it too, right? Cause you have like NFTs and AI and stuff. So we'll we'll dive into that momentarily, but let's get to know you a little more. So like, where are you at right now? And then tell me about like your history of how you got into photography
1: wow okay um so i'll try to keep this pretty short uh which will be okay because i've only been a photographer for about three years
0: that's it um, oh my yeah. god wow your stuff is awesome wow <laughs>
1: thank you thank yeah. you so when you say you're a beginner i'm like no i'm i'm, I'm like a baby beginner mm. um i was lucky enough that when i got out of college back in 2018 i was able to get a job that helped me pay off all my student debts and my loans and all of that fun stuff. And I am really grateful for it. I learned a lot, but I was working for people who had so much money. Um, I was looking back at my, my year with working with them. And I was like, I don't want to be working for these people. I don't want my life to be of service for these kinds of folks. Um, Not that I was mistreated, just not, the scene I wanted to be in. I was like, I want to travel. So I sold everything. I packed everything up. And in 2019, I but I had, I got a camera and I just set out with a backpack to go around the world. Um, was able to get my first job working on a food documentary down in South America that first month in January. I was in Peru, met a woman. She was amazing. Got some really, really cool experience. I was barely out of auto mode um but since then i've just kind of pushed and was lucky enough to have you know that nest egg of uh, finances to to travel and to get that experience because i know a lot of people are like well why didn't you go to school i was like when i was looking for a job everyone wants experience they don't care if you have a degree and whatever they want you to actually have done the work and so i was like i'm going to skip one of those steps, one very expensive step, and just go, go do it. So that year was actually really crazy, really crazy. And that's kind of like set off everything else.
0: Did you have a passion for photography before you did this? Or were you just like, you know, I want to travel and I guess I'll buy a camera just to kind of document things?
1: I mean, yeah, it's kind of the latter. So... (laughs) Wow. I, like, I I mean, I took photos on like, you know, a simple point and shoot camera when I traveled, but it wasn't really anything. Um, I've traveled a lot before, so I've traveled solo um, on my own since I was like about 12, 13 years old. Holy shit.
2: 12 yeah. years old.
1: <laughs> yeah, and my parents have been very supportive of being a citizen of the world of learning um, from the world and not just in the classroom and so yeah I've, I've always traveled and you know i was a travel specialist for um a really big company and so yeah i just wanted to travel and so that's why i was like well photography is kind of cool that's something you can do on the road i'm gonna call myself a photographer so there i was
0: <laughs> oh my god what camera did you end up buying for us I'm, I'm curious
1: my first one was a nikon d850
0: how did you settle on that one
1: I I think it's because I saw it, and if anyone has seen the Nikon D850, they they know it's a beast. Mm. And I'm four foot eleven. I'm tiny. I'm Asian. I'm a woman. Most people look at me and they they kind of like keep looking or look over me. And so I wanted to get the biggest, baddest camera I knew. (laughs) Sounds like some some BD energy right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everyone's like, Ooh, that's a good camera. Like, obviously you're a professional because of your camera. So, um, mm. I've actually, <laughs> I've actually gone through Nikon cameras, Canon, Olympus, haven't touched Fuji cause I'm not that like handsy, but now I shoot on Sony.
0: Okay. Oh I was going to ask you, this is something I ask like all my photographer buddies and friends, people I talk to is like, what do you shoot with? And can you tell me why, why Sony?
1: Yeah, so as I was traveling throughout 2019, uh, the D850 and all of the glass of Nikon was extremely heavy. And what I do a lot is I I backpack a lot. I go out into like super remote places with my backpack and being so tiny, it was a lot of weight. And so I, um, actually my partner at the time, he was a British man who was leading tour expeditions in Peru uh, we were doing a lot of like exploring in Cusco regions and the Andes mountains. And he had a Sony I was like, Oh my gosh, that is so nice. How small and compact. And when I started looking into Sony, I realized like their mirrorless systems are incredible. Yeah. Like their glass is amazing. They're putting in the work. Um, I love what they're doing with like the Sony alpha program, Sony female alpha program. Um, and it was a vibe of a company that I could really support. And okay. so I switched over and I haven't looked back since.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I was planning get into these questions much later in the interview about the okay. details and the equipment you use. But I, <laughs> while we're on it, yeah, I was genuinely curious because at some point I'll want to upgrade. I use the, it's old school now, Canon T2i. I got that mm-hmm. like a decade ago, kind of an intro uh, SLR camera. Um, I still occasionally use it. Stuff that captures some great moments for me, but... <laughs> I want to say it's, a, it's not a beast. I want to say it's a beast. But at the same time, like when you travel and go all these places, especially for fun, like I want to capture great photography, it's a pain in the ass, right? To like change your lenses and especially when you go on hikes and stuff, you got to carry that backpack, which I do occasionally. Um, I will say, you, you, so do you travel alone to these places, that definitely makes it much easier to capture photos, right? You got you go on your own time. You don't have people like, come on, man, let's go. We got yeah. to get, get moving. <laughs> How many pictures do you need, man? Exactly. You know?
1: Like, what are you waiting for? The skies fine. Like,
0: no, right. Right. I can tell, like, I can't wait to get into some of these photos and photography trips that you've taken because I could tell by your photos, you clearly find a great location and you wait it out and you can wait for the perfect moment. I have a, a big appreciation for that, but I also have a really big appreciation for how much you've traveled at such a young age. That's absolutely incredible. That's something I wish I did when I was younger I didn't really know any better. My parents took me on trips and stuff, but it wasn't anything across the world. We didn't do anything like that. And the more, you know, the the older I've gotten, the more I realized like how much I absolutely love that and starting to travel the world and great experience. You can't, you just can't top that. Right. Like you said, like education and school, there is no better experience than the school of life and traveling around the world. So pretty, pretty incredible. What's, been like one of the most scenic or most scenic places that you've been for photography purposes?
1: I, I get this question a lot, but first I wanted to say the Canon R5 mirrorless camera is incredible. I okay. was shooting on simultaneously with the Sony just because I was interested in it. I'm kind of like Goldilocks when it comes to cameras. I'm, I have to try everything. That's <laughs> um, awesome. And it's it's incredible truly I'll look like, into it stay with canon it's such a good one it handles really well the screen the colors incredible Uh but yeah i won't go too far into that but i definitely recommend that one awesome um, and then to answer a question what is my favorite country oh my gosh this is or like
0: favorites you can name a few <laughs> that come to the top of mind. it was just like these so, jaw-dropping um, moments yeah go for it
1: because i i love every place i've gone because they're so incredibly different and they were at different parts of my life so Mm -hmm. i love india because i was 17 years old i took a year off from college and i went to go volunteer for half a year in the slums of india
2: it was hard
1: it was super hard um probably one of my most challenging trips but i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about what i wanted to do in life and um about people and that was that was an incredible experience recently i would say my favorite places that i went to last year because i went to a lot um my favorite places last year was australia Hmm. i was able to capture one of the, the rarest natural phenomenon i've ever experienced in my life out in the back channels of australia last october which was amazing um and it was just, it far outseated my expectations of what a country was. Uh, I thought I would die just from every single critter out there, but I didn't actually see that many like deadly animals, which I was glad and not glad.
0: What was this phenomenon? You're keeping me waiting here.
1: Oh, oh sorry. I, I talk about it so much that I feel like everyone knows, so... Australia used to be the driest country in the world, but this past year has been an El Nino year, which mm-hmm. means it has turned to become the wettest country. They've had more rain in like a week than they typically do in an entire year, wow. which means they're if you look at like the Google Maps of Australia, the whole middle of it, basically all of it, like 90 percent of it looks desert. It's bone dry. It's it looks like Arizona, but worse on the Google Maps. Um and with all of this record breaking rain, it it has actually caused a bunch of dormant grasses and wildlife and um foliage to spring up mm. out there. It's it's actually really incredible because what has happened is life that hasn't been seen in like over a hundred years is now being seen. And when I went, it was like such teething with vibrant colors and so many bungee like green parrots flying everywhere and just like oh my gosh it was a magical and the guy I was with Robert Downey um his handle is intrepid photo um
0: was gonna say um, Iron Man? (laughs) He gets that a
1: lot. Um but he he was like this is not normal. This is totally not normal. This is so not normal. And what you can see if you go to like my Instagram, kind of if you scroll down, you can see some drone images and footage of some rainbow land. And it looks like petri dishes. Everyone's like, what am I looking at? And I'm like, you're looking at ancient waterways that have suddenly been flooded with water and then springing forth in vibrant colors that you hardly ever see in nature. Well, you see it a lot, but not really in landscape macro sense
0: so i'm looking at your instagram right now and for people that are listening is it's the traveling elf and (laughs) what okay so you have a lot of beautiful photos i don't know where to where to stop to look so the photos that you're talking about holy crap okay i think i just found it i'm seeing one september 6th is this one
1: yep yep if you keep scrolling down there's some video footage it might be also in my reels um where you can get a better sense all the little yellow dots you see those are trees just to give you a sense of scale.
0: Hold on. It's so it's this is hold on a second. So this is it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Those are the back channels of Australia.
0: Okay, so I thought this Robert, was fake.
1: No, no. So that's that's real. Me and Robert are like one of the few, like handful of people who were able to get out there. It was a 40-plus hour car ride, really sketchy in some places. I thought we would die. <laughs> what? Uh, we are only a few handful of people who were able to get out there and document this. And like the rest of the year, it's been just utterly devastated with flooding. Um, I'm not sure that many people have been able to get back out. Um, Definitely not what I've seen. Uh, So I like to think my images and footage is very rare.
0: (laughs) That is beautiful. That's for people, people listening to this. It's the traveling elf on Instagram If you scroll down to September 10th, 2022. It's like a psychedelic landscape. I have never seen anything like this in my life. That's incredible.
1: No no one's seen it. No one's seen it in over a hundred years. And of course, you know, a hundred years ago, they didn't have colored drones. This is,
0: (laughs) this, I mean, this is absolutely unbelievable. And I'm scrolling through your timeline here and the places you've been. What the hell? Like, What the hell? How do you, I I got so many questions. One, how do you get here? Um, How do you pick the places? Like, do you fund yourself now because of your art and photography? Because I think that's the first thing that comes to my mind personally. I imagine a lot of people is like, well, shit, I want to travel. I want to be a photographer. I can't afford it. I can't do all that. Like, so I don't know where to start with this whole thing, but I'm curious to know how you make this work how you make this happen and then how you plan where you go.
1: Yeah. So that's really complicated, but I think what I can tell people is one, in the beginning, you are going to have to put up money. Like I was fortunate enough to have a job where I could, you know, not work for a couple of months and travel. Travel is not as expensive as you think, but it does require money Mm -hmm. when you're traveling. And this is where I've been lucky where I've traveled quite a bit in my life beforehand. So I know how to travel better in a way that's more sustainable for a budget. But most people, when they travel, they, you know, they spend on the nice hotels, they spend on like, you know, car services, they spend on like all of this stuff. I don't. (laughs) So what I do is I, you know, reach out to contacts and things like that, or I try to do it my own and do a lot of research. There's a lot of planning involved. Um, Especially in 2019, it was basically two full time jobs just to learn how to travel and to travel as much as I did. Um, But to go into the line of how do I make money? The first year, 2019, no money. Like I was paid on like in cash for like the odd jobs, but I was looking at it as just learning experience. I was investing in my own experience and my own career as a photographer to get things under my belt, to get connections, to get into the places that I really wanted to go and how I picked those places. It's very basic. It's, do I like the food?
0: I (laughs) wasn't expecting that. I thought you were going to say, like you saw inspiration on Instagram. You're like, I want to go there.
1: (laughs) No. So I actually stay away from Instagram for the most part. Um, I've traveled way before Instagram influencers were a thing, and I've been to many of those places that I don't have photographs of because I'm not—I wasn't a photographer. Mm. Um, so whenever I see a lot of these like youngins who are like, "Oh, these like super epic shots," I'm like, there before it was even cool to mm. be there. Like, mm-hmm. and so like for me, I guess I'm like more of like a old old lady in that regards where i'm, I'm not an influencer i'm not one of those people who wants to go viral um i go to these places because i'm curious i, I pick these places because i want to learn about these people mm-hmm. about how they live on what they value taste their food like learn their history and their mythologies and delve into life that's not my own um that's why i travel is really to just live um, and connect with people all around the world. So, photography is just kind of my way of communicating back to people back home and stuff like that, um, and to express what I've ex- experienced in the world. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of rambling now, but how I now, recently, um, all last year, all in 2022, I was able to basically fund my entire traveling year with the sales of NFTs. Mm. Um, And that is through my art, uh, through flipping, um, not so much anymore, Uh, but I've been able to sell my art on a global scale and have people support me all around the world. And what I also just lastly, what I want to say is that a lot of my experiences last year, like Australia, I was invited to go to Tahiti, Moria um, to photograph humpback whales, uh, um, instances like that. Those were all invitations from people who met me, who learned about me through NFTs. And that's through online Twitter and, you know, what I've been doing over there. And it's been really incredible. Like, I never would have thought in my essentially third year of photography, I would have ever been able to say I was invited to go photograph humpback whales and my costs were covered.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) If you ever can't make any of those invitations, feel free to know hey, a guy that <laughs> okay. will probably say yes with this good old Canon rebel, <laughs> but he'll enjoy himself. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Let's start kind of back when you said odd ah, jobs and stuff. Um, when did you like start getting some money for some of your photography? At what point was that?
1: So I guess the biggest hurdle was 2020, March, when COVID was a slam dunk, hit you in the face till you're crying in a sad hump on the floor. Um, I at That year, I had just come back from Antarctica. I had just broken up with my then partner. I was feeling super, super down and just horrible with my art. I was just like, I'm not, I can't make this work. I can't, like, I'm not getting paid enough to like keep this to be sustainable. I'm gonna go back to the States. Maybe, you know, this COVID thing, I think it's like a Zika virus. Maybe this is just like, you know, a sign of the universe that I need to go, you know, become legit in the USA. So March, I was able to get a house before the crazy market. And I settled some roots in Portland, Oregon, but then everything shut down. And I was in a brand new city, had no friends, had no Mm -hmm. connections. I had no idea what I was doing and I couldn't even go outside. Um, Like It was crazy. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start a photography business. I don't know how, but I'm going to do it. So I did. And what I did was I started with just reaching out to real estate people for portrait work. Never done portraits before in my life, had no idea what I was doing never really run a business, had no idea what I was doing, but and I made a lot of mistakes. But somehow, for some reason, I was able to push through, really dedicate time to building up a business. And I went from charging my first client 200 bucks for those head portraits. And within a month, I signed on my first four-figure contract. Um, and How so- How did that <laughs> What?
0: Seriously, I want to know, how does this happen? I want to make this happen for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of people do. And I think what I can tell people is that first, learn business, learn marketing, learn how to structure your business, and then just be confident in yourself. People want what you have. That's why they're paying you mm. as a photographer. They're not paying you just to take pictures. Um, because if that was the case, they would just, you know, take ask their brother or, you know, as their nephew or sister or mother just to take their pictures. You have a skill. And to be able to market that skill, not in a manipulative way, but in an authentic, real way, where you show the value of what you provide, people are going to be like, okay, cool, great. I said mm-hmm. no to a lot of people. I like, And that was really scary as a beginning businesswoman. Because I was like, in the beginning, everyone's like, no, you have to get as many jobs as possible. I already done that in 2019. And I was fed up with it. I was Mm -hmm. like, that is no way to make a business. If you want to, you know, do photography as a job, you got to be paid for it. So, um, definitely I I learned so much. I was able to actually dedicate the time to, you know, really talk to people, talk like network, figure out business things. Again, I made a lot of Really dumb choices, and if I were to ever do it again, <laughs> I would definitely not be doing what I did back in March. But I also, I, I
0: was yep. gonna say, what's your big? You said you made dumb choices and mistakes. Like, what was mm-hmm. like the biggest mistake that you learned from?
1: Overpromising, hmm. you know, thinking that I wasn't enough and that I had to overdeliver on all of these different aspects for even like say two thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But when realistically, when you look at the amount of work, when you look at the amount of things that you do and you're providing for them, it's not that much. And you know, the more you charge, the less you actually have to provide. Um, that's one thing. And it's not saying like, oh, you're cheating them out of, you know, stuff. You have to be good enough at what you do to be able to charge. And that comes with experience. It comes with confidence. And it also comes with just, um, knowledge Hmm. about yourself and your craft. I'm not telling anyone who's like, you know, just picked up a camera to just go start charging, you know, $2,000 for a portrait shoot. Like, no,
0: (laughs) how did you get so good so fast?
1: I practice a lot during COVID because I didn't know anyone. I practiced on myself at my house. I got two kittens. So I started practicing on them as well inside my house. Um, I practiced with like, things from the grocery store, just inside my house with a window. Um, Yeah. You just have to practice. And you know, everyone's like, okay, take a photo every day. I took thousands of photos every day. (laughs) And I can honestly say, I am not a portrait photographer. I do not like it. And that's why I wasn't good at it. And I think most people, when they're trying to build a business, they're trying to fit themselves into what they think Mm. photography business should be you know, they're doing senior shots, they're doing baby photos, they're doing, you know, engagements. But if you're not your heart's not into it, if you're if that doesn't excite you to go to like, yeah, you're not going to do very well.
0: See, I like your shots. I like landscape (laughs) photography. I like seeing what the world has to offer. I like traveling. I like getting to places that are hard to get to because it also comes with a story. You can, you know, it's not just a photo, but it's like, Oh, how hard it was to get there. It's just so much more rewarding than making people sit in a chair and say cheese or something. Right. Um,
1: Yeah. I love it. I did boudoir photo shoot. So that was really great to work with with Um, more of the empowerment side versus just like photo side. But Mm -hmm. like you, I'm like, get me outside.
0: Mm. (laughs) Yeah. It's just really rewarding. And so one thing that comes to my mind is I just said, like I have an old old canon, but I end up just taking my iPhone fourteen pro most of the places like it's easy to point and chew what what is it about spending a few grand or whatever it is on that icon the use or the canon you recommended? What is it about investing in something like that compared to the smartphones these days?
1: Well, that's a good question. and I'm just gonna say that. In the beginning, I was like, why did I just buy this super fancy camera as a beginner? Th- that made no sense to me. But I was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to do it. I'm committing. And that money, and when, when people have money invested, they work harder. Mm-hmm. Especially me. If money's on the line, I, I work hard. And I'm a hard worker. So I think what people don't realize is that when you're doing something with something that has limited capacity, You're only going to get as good as what you can do on that. And sure, yes, phones are amazing. Phones are incredible. If we could take the algorithms of phone cell phones, like the iPhone camera, and put it in a Sony camera, holy freaking moly, that would be (laughs) so good. But (laughs) what people don't realize is that you're not just paying for, like, a professional camera. You're investing in the capabilities that someday you will be able to know and use that camera to get what you want. Mm. I definitely don't know how to use my camera fully. And I've slept. I'm I'm that kind of person who sleeps with her camera next to her in bed. It's fine. Um, I still don't know how to use it fully. But yet, you know, having such an incredibly powerful tool in my hand makes me want to learn more and push myself more because I know it's possible. Mm. I know I can do it. I know it's I'm capable with the tools that I have to be beyond what I could do. So I think that's like one thing with people and they're like, Oh, I don't know if I should like, you know, start with a lower price camera or something like that. If you're serious, if you're like, truly serious about your craft and about doing photography, get a decent camera, Mm -hmm. because that's going to challenge you, the artist, the photographer, to really actually start realizing all the amazing things you're able to do. It's actually incredible how you're like, oh, I didn't know I could do this. Now you start like experimenting with it. You start like realizing like, oh, I'm going to start doing it more. And it changes your artistic output and it changes you as an artist. And that growth is something that I will always chase as an artist. That's something every artist should chase is growth. Because as you learn, you're going to change. You're not going to get stuck. You're not going to be, you know, banging your head against that Proverbial wall of, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. And so, basically, what I'm hearing is yes, the iPhone 14 is a little right now, super powerful, great tool. But if you invest in a camera, uh, like, what should I say, like the one you have, is the capabilities are just far and beyond like well, the, think of what, the what raw we can files. understand.
1: When, yeah. Like, for me, a lot of what I do with photography is editing, I do a lot yeah. of composite work because i love it Mm -hmm. and i can't edit with even though iphones do shoot raw it's not the same you don't get the same output you don't have the same capabilities i think it was the photographer ansel adam Mm and i don't forget his name um really amazing photographer um but he said the best camera is the one in your hand Mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter the price what matters is the one in your hand that you are easily able to use to get what you want and if your iPhone can get what you want, perfect. That's, hmm. that's the only one you need. But for me, this is not, <laughs> this is not good enough.
0: <laughs> um, okay. So do you use like Lightroom or Photoshop? How do you do your mm-hmm. editing? Yeah. Yep.
1: yep. Um, all Adobe. For all those listening, I did not use YouTube to learn. I just played around with it <laughs> a lot.
0: You're a self-starter this is like super I can't learn on YouTube.
1: I, I can't learn i like i tried and then i'm like busy googling everything that they mentioned in youtube and then yeah i can't you should give
0: it. your own youtube tutorials <laughs> do you do that i like
1: do. I, I give um bougie editing so what i do is i tell people to bring their booze to my editing sessions which are zoom sessions and then we drink and we edit and we have a great time
0: <laughs> that is that is a great idea That's a really good idea. I I genuinely mean that. I think that would be a lot of fun. And like, do you give people like all a specific photo and they all have to learn that one photo or how does that work?
1: It depends. Sometimes I've given them like just JPEG files and they can edit along with me so that Mm -hmm. they can follow the steps with me. Sometimes um, I've been doing recently AI intro sessions where I teach people how I go about bringing humanity and, excuse me, uh, human touch to uh the technology i want to like humanize the technology because right now that's not happening as much and i think that is something we really need to do as humans as you know this tech boom is happening all around us is we need to humanize it we need to really bring the human aspect empathy bring heart to technology and that's what i've been doing with most of my recent bougie editing and Why I call it bougie is not just because of the booze, but because (laughs) (laughs) there are people who are like calling, I think, chic or, you know, trendy bougie. I think Mm. that's like a term. Mm -hmm. I spell it with a Z instead of a G. So it's just like, you know, it's bougie. We're being fancy.
0: (laughs) You're you're a great businesswoman. That's for sure. I can really try appreciate that and the funny thing is though is when i'm thinking about talking about cameras and stuff is everybody says it's not the camera it's the lenses one do you agree and two are there lenses that you would recommend somebody that's looking for a camera tomorrow like one or two of them that that are must-haves
1: it goes to your sense of style and what you're doing but for me yes i think the lenses really matter because it's like it's like buying a really fancy car and then putting crap tires on it. Mm. You're not going to go anywhere really well. You're basically putting a handicap on yourself,
2: mm.
1: on your tools by not getting good glass. And I think for most people, they're like, Oh, but I want to have like as big of a range as possible because I just don't know what to do No, I mean, if you don't know what to do, you got to learn first what is available. And so that way, when you buy like a prime lens or when you buy one single lens, you really learn it. And then you can decide, do I like it or do I not? Because when you start buying like all of these kit lenses, you're not going to like really anything, in my opinion. Or you're going to like realize, oh, I really like the ability to sh- zoom in versus shooting wide. Guess what? You just wasted a couple hundred dollars, even on a kit lens that you could have put towards something else.
2: Mm.
1: So to me, I'm like... I'm a person of extremes. I don't like middle range lenses. And I know that for myself, I've always liked super wide, like 12 to 14 millimeter um, lenses. Or I like super zoomed in and I'm not talking 100 or 200. I'm talking 400 to 600. Um, And even for portrait work, I like shooting portraits at 600 millimeters. Mm. When you look at animal wildlife photographers, like some incredible wildlife photographers, you're like, that is so dreamy. That is beautiful. Like the blurriness, the bokeh behind them, like gorgeous. Why aren't people doing that for human portraits? Hmm. I do. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it adds a lot more to the landscape when you shoot, because I shoot people outside. I don't really shoot them in studios. Um, It brings, it bridges my landscape style to my portrait work when I use landscape lenses so it's really up to people what they want to shoot and how they want to like what kind of imagery they want because those lenses are going to dictate that no matter what subject it is those lenses will dictate the kind of like the look yeah
0: if you're listening to this and you want the coolest photo on linkedin call call rachel she'll get you the coolest headshot (laughs) (laughs) That I is, mean, yeah, if
1: you want to pay me, like, two grand.
0: that is uh, Well, sounds like you're worth it to me. And so can I assume one more thing with the equipment is tripod? Mm-hmm. I assume you use a tripod consistently. Not really. No.
1: So because I travel so much, um I find tri- tripods really cumbersome. I Because when I get to a place, I'm shooting, I'm in that low – I'm in the zone. I'm, like, I am zipping everywhere. I'm finding new, different comps. I'm trying to photograph with different things, like – I don't really plan as much as you do or as much as most of my friends do um, because I go to a place and I'm, I'm like, okay, I am here. What can I get? What is the world telling me? Like, how can I experience this place fully and capture it? So, um, also most of my tripods break. Although I have found one that I really, really like, I'm not endorsed by them. So this is not sponsored, but i really love the really bright tripods. I okay. have gone through get so, like those thousand dollar tripods. I've gone through run photo. I've gone to peak design. All of them have broken on me within like a week or a couple wow. of weeks or a couple wow. trips really right so far has been the best compact lightweight because I'm small. So I really am aware of weight, um, and size. They have been all around the best one so far for me.
0: Okay. This is great information. I thought you would have said, yeah, I use it a lot because, uh, of the are zoomed in work, right? When I zoom in, I get a little shaky or whatever, but maybe it's just me.
1: <laughs> no, I shake all the time, which means I am limited in how I shoot and what I shoot. But, um, once you know that about yourself, you just work around it. Uh, and yeah, I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I need a tripod, but like travel photography, especially like wildlife photography, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, you want to be able to move like the animals. Mm. You want to be able to go freely without cumbersome things, without constantly trying to like juggle many balls. Um, yeah. So for me, like Tripods are great in low light and stuff like that. And if you have the patience, awesome. But that's not my style personally. And I know that about myself. And so I shoot, I don't even have a strap on my camera. Don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't even have a anything strapped to my camera. I hold it and I have fallen down cliffs. I have, I have definitely been in some super hairy situations where my feet are not on the ground. That camera never left my hand. Like... I like, I have a death grip on my cameras. (laughs) Let's talk
0: about one of those situations. Give me like the scariest situation you've ever been Uh, in. I want to hear it.
1: Well, one of them, was okay. So and maybe I shouldn't say this on a recorded thing. Anyways, in Hawaii, there's this trail, um, in Kauai, Hawaii. And, uh, it's very, very steep. It's basically like maybe a foot wide path. And from that path, it is just straight down thousands of feet, um, It's incredible when you go there. But when I went, it was really muddy. And, you know, there was one little section that had a few little very steep switchbacks. And so, you know, I had, you know, going down, hit some slippery stuff. I start rolling. And this, I'm telling you, this is a place where if you start rolling, you basically die. Because it is sheer everywhere. But I was able to, you know, what do you call it, spider? Like get all of my extremities out and stop myself before i died (laughs) but everyone else who was with me were just like holy yeah i i was definitely shaky for the rest of that day oh my god i was basically crawling on hands like hands and knees for the rest of that day
0: (laughs) i have a fear of heights so that would drive me i wouldn't i want to be up in the first place so i don't have to worry about that but wow that's
1: terrifying it was very terrifying.
0: Um, and you're, you're talking <laughs> about wildlife photography. Give me some stories. Mm-hmm. Like what are some really cool stories about you trying to hunt down like a specific animal to get a photo and stuff?
1: Well, I haven't done that much wildlife photography. I really just started getting into it this past year. Um, my first like real experience for wildlife was in Antarctica. Um, I was channeling my Paul Nicklin where I got a Sony camera. I got like my 600 mil lens. Well, the 200 to, well, yeah, 200 to 600. I cannot afford the, the 600 prime. Still can't afford it. I really want it, <laughs> but it's, it's a goal. Um, and, you know, I was just photographing those penguins. I was photographing penguins because Oh my gosh. They're so amazing. Um, South Georgia Island on the way to Antarctica was probably my, one of my favorite places in the world. Mm. Um, and I know people are like, Oh, it's penguins, but I'm like, have you seen a penguin? I know many people have seen them in the zoos, but they are so incredibly clumsy (laughs) on land. And yet they're like graceful in the water. And you know, you see like these King penguins who look like emperor penguins, um, with their yellow and black and white suits, (laughs) they're just, they're so comical. It it was so much fun. And yeah, yeah, it was just amazing.
0: Did you go down to Antarctica like a specific time of year knowing (laughs) that they were, yeah, you did.
1: Yeah. So I went in January for about three weeks and I knew
0: You went to Antarctica for three weeks. Like, where are you sleeping? (laughs) (laughs) In a boat. In a boat?
1: Yeah. Falkland (laughs) Islands, South Georgia Island, and then Antarctica, and then back up. Um, It was a long, long boat ride. Really seasick for all of the days at sea. Wow. (laughs) But totally worth it.
0: (laughs) That's absolutely incredible. I'm, like, super jealous about this, like, part of me is really jealous about this. The other part is like, eh. <laughs> I don't know about three, three weeks and sleeping on a boat, but
1: no, it was honestly like people are like, but it's Antarctica. It's a bunch of eggs. I'm like, you don't understand. And like, there's really nothing to compare it to, but it's so beautiful just to be able to be surrounded by like the sound of silence to be like, Hearing orcas out of your window wow. at night, you know, a pot of eight orcas just like swimming next. You're just like, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's a magical place. And you, anyone who goes, it's just like it changes them.
0: I I mean, I would genuinely love to go. I'm one of those people that once I get like an idea in my head or a place I really want to go to, it's like I try to find a find a way. It's like, why not? Right. I want to go ex- experience something and have a story to tell. Um what's what's one of the places that you've been to that's just you got the craziest story of like how hard it was to get there.
1: That's really hard.
0: <laughs> you've been everywhere.
1: Yeah, um, well it's just after the fact I'm like wow that was pretty hairy, but during it I was just like this is fun.
2: Uh like, there's a
1: couple places in like Peru that were kind of sketchy. Um, definitely when I went to Mongolia, I was on a solo expedition with National Geographic
0: and you went with National Geographic.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they were helping me. They were my in-country contacts and that
0: is freaking, uh, how do you everywhere. get connected to these people? <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. That's amazing.
1: But actually, okay. One of my, the coolest ones though. Um, so I was in South Patagonia. I met a National Geographic paleontologist, so a person who studies dinosaurs. We hit it off, and he was like, hey, we would love to have you on one of our expeditions. I was like, uh, yeah. This is back in 2019, so newbie, had no idea what I was doing. They're just like, yeah, we'll take care of like you know your tent and food if you get out here. I was like, I'm coming. <laughs> so I'm out in like the middle of Patagonia, Argentina. We are not near anything for hours um we have generators we're sleeping in tents right by this like tiny tiny river um the weather is just incredibly harsh like we are you're exposed to the elements and these guys these paleontologists and their students they're just they're drilling they're jackhammering they they're, it's not you know toothpick archaeology this is paleontology dinosaur bones encased in rock mm. <laughs> and here I am with my camera I'm like you guys are doing great <laughs> oh my um, god but it, it it was so hard not because the shooting was hard but because the weather was just the wind the heat the no shade the just exposure you have to the elements on top of like really hard physical labor really is Like difficult, and it's a challenge, and it it made me respect paleontologists so much Mm. by what they do, just to you know dig up old bones, which was was also really cool.
0: Yeah, so it's it's funny you say that because last summer in August, that was actually my wife's Christmas present. It was I got her an excursion to go to Montana to dig up dinosaur bones because she's a massive fan of dinosaurs. Loved them as a kid. Jurassic Park's her favorite movie so that was one of the coolest things just outside a glacier uh two medicine dinosaur we got to dig up dinosaur bones and stuff and that was one of the coolest things we did yeah that was really (laughs) cool maybe we could talk offline real quick about that person that you met i would love to actually speak with them if you still do talk with them i would absolutely die to talk to them so we could talk about that later um but yeah your stories are incredible you're just naming all these places like antarctica and patagonia and peru and it's just like it's mongolia just... oh my god like <laughs> what the fr- like mongolia is not the not a place that's like really easy to get to right like how was traveling to mongolia
1: i mean getting there was fine traveling in countries is a lot harder so one thing that's really cool about mongolia is that they don't really have roads to a lot of places mm-hmm. um instead you have to get local drivers who've been driving and traversing in in those planes their entire lives and they drive you over (laughs) non-roads just judging by landmarks because the land shifts so so suddenly and so sporadically and very often that there's no way that they can take the same route twice (laughs) they just have to know where they are geographically and um it's like yeah. It's, it's actually really incredible how they navigate there. Of course there are some roads, but uh, some of the places I went, mm-mm. we were driving on non roads for days. Mm. <laughs> it was, um, yeah. It What's awesome.
0: a place that you haven't gone to yet that you're just kind of dying to get to?
1: Well, Turkey,
0: <laughs> definitely. I
1: would love to, I would love to get into like photojournalism and documentary work. Um, but that, that's a very hard line to find as a photographer and um, to be paid for it. That's even harder. So right now I'm, I'm not equipped to do that, but mm. I would love to explore the middle East. I probably shouldn't say this, but there's an Island off the coast of Yemen called Sakotra, I believe. It's incredible. It has a lot of, um, I forget the name of the word, but it's a lot of, biodiversity and plants and animals that are only found on that island. They're Mm. not found anywhere else in the world. And uh, I want to get there because it looks amazing.
0: What's stopping you? Yeah.
1: Well, money. (laughs) It's really expensive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But who knows, right? Do you, do you take these, some of these trips thinking like, I'm going to get there. I'm going to spend the money knowing I'll make it back by what I shoot over there.
1: That's always a gamble in Mm. 2019. Yeah. That's what I did. Mm Mm-hmm but now I made a promise to myself, I'm not going to work for free. Um, Last year I did kind of like a, a balance, a hybrid of like working then getting paid afterwards and then being paid to go work. It's definitely a very hard balance. And, you know, It's, there's no right answer. And I think you're constantly going to have to be pivoting if you do want to do like travel photography and stuff like that. Obviously, there's some pretty concrete ways that you can do it that a lot of influencers will just sell you on. And yeah, that is a way. But I know for myself, that is not my way. That's not what I want to do. That's not the kind of, you know, work or even like upfront work that I want to do because it's not really me. Um. So yeah, it's just a matter of like, what do you want to do? And so, Aligning your actions to do that. Do you
0: take trips for yourself to get photos, or do you take trips knowing you're going to get paid for photos that you take? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure that out. Oh,
1: Sorry. <laughs>
0: no, I'm, try, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to grasp that.
1: I don't I don't uh, take photos any I don't take trips anymore that aren't paid for yet. Um, last year for you're like Australia, yeah. Last year I uh, sold NFTs that funded my trips. Um, So that was really great. I was really, really, uh, I'm very, very lucky to have been able to do that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going forward, maybe I might take some trips where I fund them myself and try to hope I get paid for it, but Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I'm not in that place financially yet. So maybe.
0: It sounds like you're tricking on it though. And there's a few places I do want to ask you about. One of them being Iceland. And... I got connected with Ryan Newburn last year, who I had on my podcast, also known as the Straw Hat Backpacker. His story sounds, I mean, a little it's different, different than yours, but a little similar as far as him just grabbing a camera and traveling and look at him now. He's in Iceland <laughs> with his own business leading the Glacier Guides. And the funny thing is I'm scrolling through his videos on ice pick journeys, and I believe I see you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I so it's my wife and I are going there in a month and a half as part of our honeymoon. And Ryan's gonna give us a guide in the glaciers. And my wife sees the videos of ziplining on the glaciers. Yes. And I'm like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, well, that looks cool. <laughs> I have a fear of heist, but we'll see. I don't know what whatever. And then I see who it is, and it's you. And I was like, I just saw this last night. I was like, there's no way. I was like, I'm talking to her tomorrow. I had no clue. That was you. So when were you over in Iceland? When was that?
1: Uh, I think that one was, I think in October. Okay. Um, I've been to Iceland about seven times. I was <laughs>
0: so Only seven times, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah, seven times in the past, like, two years.
0: Oh, my <laughs> but, God. Uh,
1: you're going to have such an incredible time with Ryan, Ryan and Mike, they're both so much fun. So funny, very knowledgeable. You are in safe hands with them. And I, I don't say that lightly because I think safety is a really big thing that people need to be aware of. And that's Mm -hmm. what really gets people when they travel for so long is constantly having to take care of their safety. Um, But with Ryan and Mike, if you're able to meet Glacier Mike as well, who lives off in Hof, um, Ryan's business partner, they're, they're wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And I'm scared of heights, too. I don't let people give me piggyback rides, but I did that, and it was so much fun. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Like, so, go down that zip line. You better run and jump.
0: I was <laughs> wondering that. Do you Do you go across the whole thing, or do you go halfway and kind of got a, like, military crawl or whatever, like, across the rest of it? How does that work?
1: It it depends on how much slack they give you, but yeah, you can get to the middle and -hmm. then you're going to have to pull yourself either way. So once you jump, there's no going back.
0: (laughs) There is no going back. (laughs) Okay. Well, how deep is this crevice? Is it like massive or not that bad? 60
1: 60 meters,
0: which is what, 180
1: feet. Yeah. It was like 200 feet. I mean, you look over and you're like, Oh my God. Um, which is why in the video you see me looking up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I well, see you also kind of like stuck. <laughs> and that's what I was like. Ah. See, I did zip lining in Turkey, but I just, Ooh. you just, I cruise the whole time. You know, you just get on and you just go, you're not yep. stopping. Oof. I think something might happen inside of me if I just stopped over like a 200-foot drop in a glacier. I mean, it's beautiful, right? Like, I, I, I got to repel and climb glaciers in Alaska last year, which... Okay. Was one of the greatest things I've ever done, and for me to look over the edge of a glacier and rappel down it, like I I have a, such a bad fear of heights for the most part, but for me to just get there and just like I'm gonna do this and I did it was just kind of like what happened. I was I was so caught up in where I was in the moment, and I'm hoping if we sign up for this zip line thing that I just get that <laughs> get that feeling again. And be like yeah, it, I'm here once, I'm in Iceland, just go do this. But we'll see. It's it's weird. It's like a paralyzing type of type of fear that I have of heights. I'm trying to conquer it, but um, yeah. So, any other tips and tricks for Iceland that I should be aware of before we head there in uh, just over a month?
1: Just over a month. That's um, March, right? Okay. It will be the so, beginning
0: of April. Beginning of April. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, definitely, just wear layers. Mm-hmm. I say. Being waterproof, windproof is more than having bulk just because weather change is so crazy mm. in Iceland.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and being windproof and waterproof will keep you warmer, in in my opinion. Uh one thing I really recommend, and a lot of people don't know this, but you know those hot hand things that you can put in your gloves, yeah. they're like good for like four hours.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They make them that are bigger, that are hot, like actually hot for 18 hours.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: I know. And I actually put them in my pockets because I don't wear gloves when I photo photograph, even in like cold weather. Makes sense. Um, I don't really wear gloves because, you know, camera. Mm -hmm. Um, But having them in your pockets or having them up in like your chest or something really helps keep your body warm. If you can keep your core warm, it doesn't matter really about your hands like you can handle cold hands. Mm. Um, So I definitely recommend those because they're bigger, which means they actually work. (laughs) But that's yeah, awesome. Being waterproof, windproof is really important.
0: I can't wait to go in the no, glacier you know, caves. So I cannot wait. I so here's a fun fact. I went to Iceland maybe five years ago, six years ago, and mm-hmm. we did kind of like the south, the whole south thing, which we're going to kind of do again. I went with my dad back then, and we did see the Northern Lights, which was incredible. Um, oh. The one thing, the one thing that's been eating me up is the fact I did not go in, into a glacier cave. It was not part of the tour that we did. And I was like, God, I really wish, really wish I can do that. And the fact that I I'm going back, I'm bringing my wife now. We just got married a few months back. (laughs) And the fact that I'm going to a glacier cave, it's like mission accomplished. Like, once I, like I said, once I get something in my mind, it's like, I need to go find a way to do it. So I I genuinely can't wait to do that. And I, I, I could not believe I saw you. I was like, hold on a second. That's her. That's her. She was just there. What the heck? Um, but uh, yeah, another place for whatever reason that I saw you been to that's kind of like floating in my head. And I jokingly say I want to go there, but I'm kind of serious about it too, is Greenland. And I saw I you. Been there. You went, oh, you have not been to Greenland. I thought you've been to Greenland. What about so what's stopping you f- those? Okay. So explain that. That that's gonna lead us right into my next topic then. They're <laughs> AI pieces. Okay, so talk to me. That I thought you went to Greenland, but you said the AI pieces. Explain that.
1: Yeah. So one thing that happened last year was I have no right, but I had a creative crisis. Um, I was getting into a rut. I didn't, I was feeling like I wasn't good enough at photography. I started to like lose the joy of photographing, um, thinking I wasn't, you know, going to amount to much, all that fun stuff. Um, and just getting like bored with what I was doing Hmm. And so at that time, uh, people were telling me, "Okay, Rachel, actually, it was Robert, Robert Downey from Australia. He was like, Rachel, you got to build a business on something you can easily replicate and and grow from. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, you can't always, you know, guarantee blow your socks off images from a place, no matter how confident you are. Like, you cannot guarantee that just because, you know, weather conditions. I don't know. Anything could go wrong. Like you can't guarantee those kinds of things. And I'm very picky when it comes to images. Like you say, you look at my Instagram. Uh, yes, I I post a lot of things from different places, but I've traveled. <laughs> I want to say I travel about 90% more than what you see on Instagram. I do not share that much on Instagram wow. and it's because it's like some places I just totally don't get images. So AI was starting to like become more on my radar through NFTs. And I was like, I'm interested. Not really sure what it is. And then I started getting into it. I was like, wow, I'm able to create images I've never been able to create before. This is something I can do when I'm not traveling. And that was like a light bulb to me because I can't always travel, especially not how much as I was before. It's expensive. It's not sustainable to build, you know, my business based on what I can do when I travel. Like, that's just not me. So I was like, okay. How can I do this? Is this even something I want to pursue? So I started getting into it, and I know a lot of people are like, well, what do you use? I use midjourney. it's a it's a bot um, that I that you can um, add to Discord. I have it in my own private server so people don't see what I make. um but you can also do it publicly through the midjourney Discord yourself. Um, and I started really trying to delve into what is this technology? How can I bring myself into it? And that's kind of where I tell people in my bougie editing sessions is AI cannot think for itself. Just like a camera can't think for itself. A camera can't take a beautiful shot without the human. A paintbrush, no matter how you know, rare those paint brushes, bristles are made or whatever, like a paintbrush, a camera, AI bot. Those are all tools that artists, human artists, are able to use to create whatever is in our hearts and mind. And I think that's something that really spoke to me because with AI, I'm able to have this conversation between technology and myself on what I'm trying to communicate and what the technology is interpreting that as. And I have to use it. I have to work with it. I have to, like, iterate it. And, you know... In the beginning, I used it as just elements to help with my composite work with photography. Now I do have fully AI work as well as composites with photographs. So like, you know, obviously, because I'm a photographer, like it just kind of meshes. For anyone else who's out there listening, like AI to me is something that has taken away my physical restraint to create art that suddenly opens doors to a whole new world of creativity mm. one that i could never do like i went to art school as a little kid like we learned how to draw we learned how to like watercolor and oil and ceramics all that fun stuff i know i cannot draw for my life if humanity's existence rested on me drawing something that looked realistic hell no i'm sorry <laughs> you're not allowed to swear on this no, go for it. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> i cannot draw and so that's prevented me from actually exploring certain creative avenues. Now with AI, I'm totally able to create things that one, I might not be able to photograph myself like Greenland, or two, I can do it anywhere that I am, no matter the time, no matter the location, no matter the weather, no matter really my budget, although you do have to pay for it. So it does kind of matter, but it's not nearly as expensive at traveling. And so I'm able to To kind of explore places. And lastly, I know this is a lot. Working with AI. Yes, people are like, oh, that's lazy art. I don't think so. Because the more you create, kind of like burst mode in photography, the more you create, the more work it actually is to actually get to something you actually like. Hmm and that is self-curation. And I am a huge supporter of any creative person to self-curate themselves more. Just because you can do it and just because it kind of looks cool doesn't mean it's really worth anything. And you as the artist, why people buy your work, why people hire you for jobs is your ability to self-curate the actual good gems of images, of files, of, you know, like portrait pitch, pics, um, like that self curation is really the value that you bring as a professional. So, yeah, I can generate a lot more images, arguably, that are cool with AI. I definitely do not sell all of them. I do not. (laughs) I do not just think like, oh, I'm suddenly a great artist with AI. I'm definitely still learning.
0: Okay, so I get a few questions based on this. (laughs) So I'm pretty versed in Adobe, right? So in Adobe, you file new, create the canvas size that you want, blank canvas. Are you starting with blank canvases when you create AI? Are you starting from like a photo that you took that was just like missing a few things? How do you even start with
1: AI? So in the beginning, I tried to keep my AI very similar to my photographs. Because that's what I knew. That's like what I. So I would try to describe my photographs to the AI bot so that I could create AI images that were like my photographs.
0: How do? You, what do you mean? Describe? Like, are you talking to it? You typing things? Yeah. Like, how does oh, that sorry.
1: work?
0: <laughs> I don't, so I what my
1: journey is like is that. You write in a prompt, you write like a sentence, or you can write a string of words. Um, There's a lot of musicians who have been putting their lyrics into the mid-journey bot, and they've created images from their lyrics. And the AI bot will take those words and generate, you know, whatever it is you're trying to describe. Um, Where I see this technology's limitations right now, because yes, AI is really powerful, but it's not perfect, is that when you're writing your prompt, when you're writing your words, you can have something very clear in your mind and you're like, wow, okay, done, done, done. I'm very detailed. What you get from the AI, but is probably going to be so different than what you had in your head. Mm. And this is what brought me out of my creative rut because it suddenly re- it showed me how I was communicating with my words and how those words could be interpreted. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> like hello mm. this is mm. not just like a camera that i can point and shoot and i know exactly what i'm getting ai is that sort of like wild card um and i i know that doesn't speak to a lot of people but it spoke to me a lot so it's like,
0: it's like taking a psychedelic with a paintbrush in your hand right
1: <laughs> exactly exactly it's like you never know and then you suddenly are like i really love that i'm going to redo that i'm going to go down this alice in wonder rabbit hole on this thought process on this prompt or things like that so when i say i was putting in things that were describing my photographs i was trying to describe my photographs Mm. i realized that was not helpful i was like i'm going to keep my photographs very separate than my ai work so i started to delve deeper into things i couldn't do with photography yet so like greenland i've never been to greenland but it's on my bucket list so i'm like okay what can i can sort of like create that gets me to that place of freeland where i can manifest it and someday hopefully go photograph it and it's helped me actually like work on composition on how i would you know actually frame my shot whenever i go so it's like it's been really great really great wow
0: that's just absolutely fascinating this is something i really had to look more into especially with ai (laughs) is obviously becoming a thing for life in general Join my editing. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a really good time. I mean, there's no question. Really I will learn <laughs> a lot from you. But that actually sounds like awesome. I'm watching a reel that you posted uh, September 13, 2022. It's a stationary photo. Absolutely beautiful. But but the waterfall in the middle is moving. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. So oops, we got the music playing. So how was that created? A, uh Just a stationary photo, absolutely beautiful, but the water in the middle is moving on the waterfall. How do you create Mm -hmm. something like that?
1: So, I know a lot of people do this in After Effects. I'm not that technical, even though I use technology a lot in my career. I'm really tech dumb. Um, I actually use my phone and I use the app Motion Leap. Okay. Very easy. It's very, very affordable. if anyone wants to use it, I totally recommend it just for any any photograph, really. You can animate things, you can add things, you can, you know, make things move in the directions you want. Like, that's where I do it. And they actually are able to export your videos or your photos turned into cinemagraphs in, like, 4K. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. You just do it right on your phone. So obviously it's, sorry, it's um, limited to how, like, much you can do with your finger Um, but you can zoom in of course and you know get pretty dang close to where you need it to be um and you can just do it on your phone I've just done it like when I'm not connected to the internet when I'm like on an airplane or like when I'm like waking up I can just like animate something real quick I've been doing this for years um just having fun with it never really doing much with it but it's something that many photographers can do without learning you know animation
0: that's so cool can can you do anything with it besides just posting it on your your instagram line can you sell stuff like that
1: yeah absolutely as long as it's your photographs yeah like (laughs) i've sold definitely cinemagraphs which are animated photographs um i've sold those before as well as nfts uh and it's fun i mean you know we all like moving pictures so yeah.
0: yeah, it's 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 definitely fascinating. Um, I mean, I have to ask, I'm sure you've gotten this question before, is like st- stepping away from the AI for a second and the NFT for a second, just back to your raw skill and your raw photos, is there a photo or like maybe a set of photos or anything that comes to mind of like you were just super proud to have captured that?
1: Um, yes, I... So last year I went to Iceland. I went up north with a friend. Um, She's lovely, absolutely lovely. And you might meet her because she is friends with Ryan.
2: Excellent. Uh,
1: And we went up to this waterfall and we didn't really time it right because we went in the middle of the day, like, you know, kiss of death. It was supposed to be cloudy and it, it just wasn't speaking to me. You know, It was like one of those like super popular waterfalls. And I just like, I wasn't feeling inspired to take the same shot that everyone else normal. So I was looking at the wall, the basalt volcanic wall across the river, which was like, I want to say like 500 feet, a thousand feet away. And I had my 600 lens on and I was like, "Hmm, I wonder what it looks like over there. So I started zooming in over there and oh my gosh, I'm typically a landscape person, but zooming in on that basalt wall, I saw a color. I, got sh- I saw shapes mm. and I saw all of this little like foliage and kind of the marks of time on this wall. I, was, I started snapping pictures and when I brought them into my, my computer and started editing them, I started realizing there's so much more color in the rock than I, than I even saw with my own two eyes. So that was really exciting. I called them volcanic volcano abstracts. Um, actually one of my pin pictures the blue one on my Instagram at the top of my profile that is both as from that spot, that is a super zoomed in view of a massive rock wall. Yeah.
0: This one I'm looking yeah. at right now, August 5th, 2022. I never would have guessed that.
1: Exactly. And that's to me that, you know, people are like, Oh, that's cool. Kind of like abstract you work. They don't understand that is rock. That is sixteen million year old volcanic <laughs> rock that I didn't add color to. I just enhanced the color that was there.
0: Now, what about this one? Is this is this real? I know no. people listening to no. me are probably like, "What is it talking <laughs> about?" I'm just. It looks like a uh, diamond beach. It looks like a little thing on Diamond Beach, right? Like a piece of uh, ice or whatever. Yeah. yeah but, you it you like, look like, i gotta ask, <laughs> I gotta ask you: Is this real or not? Because <laughs> sometimes they are real. You're like, how is that real?
1: So if you look at my hashtags, I, I'm always a parent. I never try to sell something that's AI or composite as a true photograph. And I think mm. people really need to know that. It doesn't take away the value of it. In mm. my opinion, it just adds to the value. You know, it, it distinguishes this work versus other work. Um, so I'm always upfront about it. If you look at the hashtags, although I don't think I add, added hashtags with that one, um, most of my posts have hashtags and it will say composite oh, or God. AI or picture. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I will always try to say or sony if it says sony then it's a photograph but
0: yeah okay and as as we kind of like wind down here's a little bit i, I also really <laughs> want to know for someone that is like i do i you know as much as i consider myself an, a, an amateur photographer i think i do have a lot of good photos uh i remember talking with ryan newburn about this like One, how do you know if something is like a really good photo and like somebody would perhaps buy it? And two, like, what are your options if you're like, this is a freaking awesome photo. I don't know what to do with it. How can I sell this and perhaps make money on it? What do you do?
1: So I tell a lot of people this. I tell them it's better to do things right than right now. Hmm. And patience is something that we all struggle with, with social media, because we see people having these wins, we see trends, we see, you know, people skyrocketing, we're like, we want to be on that. But putting on blinders is really important. And I think having patience is even more important. So when people are like, I don't know if someone's going to pay money for this. The biggest question you should ask is, would you pay money for it? Because if you aren't willing to pay money for your own work, then you definitely are going to be a confident I guess, salesperson Mm. who's able to sell their work to someone else. Like for me, this is where that self curation comes in, especially with AI, because, you know, everything's cool, but, you know, I won't pay for everything that I create, even if it's cool. Um, And so, you know, really objectively looking at your art and be like, would I pay money for this? Because ultimately it doesn't matter other people. There is always a market. There are always going to be a person who has the same you know, thoughts is you who has money, who would be able to throw it at your art. It's just a matter of you doing the work, you having that self curation for yourself. Obviously, having that quality is really important, but you do not have to be the best. And I think a lot of people realize if you look at anyone who's successful, they're not like the best of the best. Like you can probably count on your hands like other people who you would consider better, but they're confident enough and they're able to stand behind their art in a way that a lot of struggling people can't. So selling, you can sell them as prints. Linktree just offered a ability to um, add like digital assets that you can sell automatically through your Linktree. Which is super awesome no shipping no handling all that fun stuff you can sell them as nfts but that is a much harder road i don't recommend it to just everyone if you do you should reach out to me i'm rachel st wood on twitter i'll be happy to just discuss it with you guys um see your options see if it's really a good fit for you um prince that's really hard Definitely like you got to learn business first and, you know, really be able to talk and connect with people. But also, I think the last thing, the very last thing I will kind of like word vomit at people is if you're wanting to sell your work, you got to sell a story. And I'm not talking about some epic, you know, heroic journey of a story with every single piece. But you have to understand that every single image that you have has to have a visual narrative that brings the viewer, that brings whoever wants you want to buy into something. Mm-hmm. Like you have to draw them in, you have to like pull them towards you. One is through the art, obviously is that strong visual aspect, but then what else? What else can that person experience buying that piece of art from you? Because ultimately what we're selling is art. At least that's what I wanna do. I want to ultimately sell my photographs and my AI work as art. And that art has meaning, it has impact, it has a bigger cause than just, oh, I'm just going to put this on my bathroom wall. Like for me, like personally for me, I really want the people who I sell my artwork to, to really value and understand where I'm coming from, to understand where I'm going and to support me. I know that's a privileged thing to say and a lot of people who are starting, if you're hearing this, you're like, I'm not at that place yet. Don't worry, if you if you know that's what you want to be if you focus on that everything you do is going to shape the people around you to actually want to that from you so yeah i mean there's a lot more to it but um
0: <laughs> no you're awesome you clearly don't lack in confidence maybe i should have you back on another podcast <laughs> to talk about confidence cuz that's
1: oh no i'm like the worst person at confidence
0: it's pretty Pretty pretty, that's just pretty incredible. Um, I can definitely see why you're successful at what you do. Um, I've, I've learned a lot talking to you and there's going to be more questions I have for you probably offline too, as far as like some of my photos and what to do with them or whatnot. But it's, it's been, this has been an awesome, awesome journey with you. Uh, I got to ask like what's, what's coming up in the near future for Rachel?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Um, well, thank you so much for having me on and for listening to me ramble for like two hours. No, it's hours. not
0: ramble. No, this is, I mean, <laughs> it's it's your story and it's very informational. It's I'm super interested in this stuff and I'll listen to anybody talk about traveling and cap- capturing <laughs> photos like all the time. I think it's super interesting.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, travel makes you the best storyteller, in my opinion. It doesn't have to be international travel. Like I know some incredible photographers and artists who've never left their state So like anyone who's like, oh, I just don't have the budget to travel. That's okay. I mean, you just get good at what you do and it'll come. If you start, you know, focusing on that's who I want to be. You got to make decisions on who you want to be your future self and not on your past self. (laughs) Anyways. um, Hmm. What am I, what am I going to do? There's so much. So (laughs) I'm really involved in the NFT scene and that kind of takes up all of my day, day and night. Um, I love it there i'm so curious at what this technology is bringing to artists and just just people all around the world it's really beautiful to see of course there's not so many great things with like businesses coming in but as an artist like a you know a little artist in the space it's it's incredible um
0: have you been affected by ethereum going down i, I can i assume that I affects <laughs> it does
1: Sort of not really. I know everyone's like, oh, we're in a bear market, which means not that many, you know, people are buying or selling, or you know, the price of cryptocurrency is not very high. Mm-hmm. That's like with every business. I mean, if you look at the stock market, like it goes high and low, and you know, most people have some stocks or you know, some people don't, you know, whatever. But no matter the market, you always have to be adjusting as any business person. That's the same with NFTs. The market will always be fluctuating you just have to be able to pivot as it adjusts be like okay ethereum's down i need to price my work a little bit higher
2: Mm.
1: okay so maybe like this is happening maybe i won't push sales right now i will focus on something else i'll focus on building something else i'll focus on maybe you know going to a different blockchain or i'll go into like collaborations versus just doing it on my own like there's so many things you can do And this is where you have to be willing to give the time to learning business or NFTs, whichever pathway you choose. You have to be able to learn what's going on, to be able to speak the language. And um, for me, yeah, bear market, I don't really see a bear market. I've had amazing sales. I mean, sure, not as great as like some or how I hope, but, you know, a lot more than other people. And it's because I have put blinders on. And I do not let that negativity, like the lulls or the, the desperation out there to really affect what I do. And I think that really calls to people. It shows that I'm not a, you know, emotionally charged. I am very emotional. I cry all the time. Um, but I'm not emotional when it comes to business because business is not emotions. And when you make those decisions, being a leader means making a decision, making the, the decisions um, just means that, okay, great. You made that decision, now you can keep going. If it was the wrong decision, you pivot. If it was the right decision, you keep going. Like, we're at the very beginning. We're in the dot-com days of Web3. Mm -hmm. And that means now's the best time to make those mistakes. You know, it's like, we're all going to make mistakes, like you said. I've made some incredibly horrible ones. But I still am pushing forward and taking them as lessons because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I fucked up. Great, let's keep learning. I know now what not to do, mm. um, and I think a lot of people will know when I see this. Fail faster, because when you fail faster, you get to that success faster.
0: Fail faster. Like, yeah, wow, fail I like faster. that.
1: <laughs> You're gonna Wait, fail.
0: I like that. Just
1: do it faster. Yeah.
0: Wow. It takes a while. It took me a long time to realize that failure was just kind of like a way to kind of point you in the right direction, right? Whereas when you're younger growing up, the last thing you want to do is fail because you start feeling bad about yourself. Your self-esteem goes down You make get made fun of because, hey, you failed. But as you get older, it means you're trying things. And like I said, it points you in the right direction. Fail faster. That's freaking awesome. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I, I I definitely get into those lows of like, I'm like, I'm a failure i'm not gonna amount to anything like i definitely feel those um
0: it sounds like you have like everybody a a case of imposter syndrome like myself like many (laughs) others but it's it's i mean that's honestly it's great to hear that in a way it's great to hear because for somebody that has just (laughs) an incredible business uh as you do and the photography that you do to see someone that success as successful as you are literally just got like I said, the timepiece artist of the week and you have imposter syndrome, you know, and it's, we don't need to dive into that, but it's one of those things where it's like, we all have those moments. Right. And Absolutely. you just kind of push through it. You're human. Um, but man, your art, your art and your photography is freaking <laughs> awesome. That's I've been following you for a while. And I was like, it's, it's time for me to reach out and see if I can get you on. And then, uh, I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad we can make this happen.
1: No, thank you so much. Like, honestly, it's really nice to connect with you, Ryan. Um, Definitely, like, this is what I love about Web3. I don't know if you've followed me on Instagram before, but, like, we connected Mm -hmm. over Twitter. Mm -hmm. And this, to me, is the power of Web3. And people are like, what is Web3? And basically what it is is the socialization. I don't think I said that right. The socialization of technology. Because we think, like, oh, Twitter's not, like, really social like it's called social media but whatever like mm. instagram definitely not a really a social place but web3 which right now is happening mostly on twitter it is about socializing with people mm. it's about connecting with humans all around the world and so this is like incredibly meaningful to me that you reached out and that you've spent this time listening to me re- like share my story
0: no i i, I appreciate you saying yes and, and being a guest i love hearing your story and i'll probably have you back on honestly because <laughs> you're someone that doesn't stop and you're continuing to move forward and have just crazy stories and i can't wait to hear about more of these journeys to talk about more of your artwork and your photography and speaking of i want to give people the opportunity to find you on all these platforms so please pub yourself
1: yeah, well, um, if anyone's in New York in the middle of April, I will be in New York City at NFT New York. I'm actually helping with a gallery out there. I'll have my work out there as well. Definitely reach out to me on Twitter because I'm not as active on Instagram. But on Twitter, my name is Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-T-W-O-O-D. And that's Rachel S.T. Wood. My DMs are open. I try to get back to everyone, but obviously it's kind of a chaotic, chaotic mess over there but i try to get back to everyone and yeah i i'm on the time pieces community council i'm i have my own community called the art um i just published my first book for anyone who is struggling with you know how to market and sell and do all that social media on twitter it's called what now
0: congratulations um, thank you that's fantastic you. look at you it's you adjusted like- you pivoted <laughs> i'm gonna make my own book
1: well, you know, it was just like I was writing so many answers to people in the DMs because I try to help everyone as as much as I can. And I realized I was just answering the same questions over and over again. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to make it something that's just it's not going to be one of those like super perfect, refined, you know, self-help books. But it is going to be observations that I've made in the space and mindsets that have helped me and information that I think a lot of artists are missing because I believe, you know, you teach a man to fish and they eat for their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to give you the answer, but I'm going to help you feel like you can make the best decision for yourself. So that Perfect. was my goal. The
0: Perfect. I'll tell you what, everything you just said, I'm going to link in the show notes so people can <laughs> scroll down click to it, find you on any platform, find that book, get it. And uh, I'll say cheers to that.
2: Cheers. Cheers.
0: <laughs> Bougie
2: cheers! Thank you Thank
0: you, appreciate it. <laughs> Super special thank you to Rachel Wood. What a special talent, special person amazing confidence, great mindset. She's picked up a camera, started making it happen. And three years later, what a baller. <laughs> she is just awesome. Uh, I actually had an amazing conversation after we ended the podcast, uh, just a personal one-on-one and her business acumen is awesome. She's learned so much at such a young age. She's great. Uh, special thank you to Rachel. She is someone I look forward to keeping in touch with over the years and keeping an eye on what she's doing her photography is one of a kind and thank you all for listening to this episode of the pursuit of happiness podcast greatly appreciated if you love this episode please share sharing is caring i really appreciate that also subscribe Uh, leave a review if you listen to this on apple podcast it means a lot also helps me get my episodes to even more people i'm always looking to do that so i appreciate it And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Follow me at the Pursuit of Happiness podcast on Instagram. That's where I post all my highlight reels and you'll have an idea of what is coming next. We have more great episodes on the way, so stay tuned and I'll catch you all soon.